Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine, a Star Trek podcast that may kill two embarrassed young men. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. This is a very special episode, an episode that probably no one should listen to. If anybody recommended this show to you and this is the first episode you're trying, stop. <laughs> Just hit stop right now. Don't don't even listen to a different episode to start. I, I just don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it should be mentioned that it's eleven in the morning. It's on a weekday. <laughs> it's really the only time that we could possibly do this. Yeah, but we we do it for you, dear viewer. We both have busy weeks next week, so we had to we had to squeeze this in now. We are we are ruining each other's days. <laughs> Because yeah. uh, because we landed on a certain square, we landed on the uh, the Mornhammered square, and uh, that is this episode. My desk area has been set up uh, with a number of towels and ab- absorbent <laughs> materials. Uh, it looks like I'm. You will get wet. You might get soaked. It looks like I'm scheming to to do a murder in my basement. <laughs> Do you have that uh that sort of translucent raincoat on that Patrick Bateman puts on? Yeah. I've got sports playing on the turntable. <laughs> you like Huey Lewis on the news? <laughs> yeah. But, I'm, but I you gotta... have you have sports playing because you were listening to Jordan Jesse Go and Jesse Thorne tricked your yeah. Alexa, right? Yeah. I mean I gotta say, uh like fairly nervous about what's what's about to happen we just watched an episode we're about to do a show this let's is talk a- about these nerves adam what what are your fears going into this because uh, and we haven't started drinking yet i think we'll yeah are we are we going to start drinking when we start reviewing yeah i think that's i think that's the spirit of the mornhammer square okay so what is what what are your primary fears here i think primarily i want to do a good show like <laughs> like that is that's all I want to do for every show. I want the show to be good. And, and you've had over 200 opportunities to try and do that, and you've failed miserably every time. What I makes know. you think this will be different? I'm, I'm really like Charlie Brown kicking Lucy's <laughs> football here. I guess I'm the football, right? Not yeah. Lucy. Your, your balls are the football. <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been buffer water drinking all morning. I've been pre- oh, I've been preparing my body for this. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited and nervous. That's where I'm at. How about you? I've had I've had relatively little water, and it's bec- I think that I know this show is going to be bad, but I think that um, is that in the stages of greatest gen, like you've reached acceptance already. Yeah. It took you just three <laughs> minutes to do that. <laughs> yeah, but. I've never, I've done like two other power hours in my life successfully. I've probably embarked on four and punched out of half of them early. Uh, The two that I succeeded at, I did not get through the hour not having to run and pee. And the issue here is like, we we edit the show. We edit the show, Adam. Yeah. (laughs) So... This this show included this will, will be edited. So if you're this, out there trying to like 
hit a stopwatch between shots of right. beer that we take that's probably not going to sync up. But the issue is, like, we are going to do the hour. We're yeah. going to do the hour properly. Right. And that might mean that at some point I have to run and piss while you hold down the podcast and vice versa. That's happened before on the show. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. I just... Uh, I, I hate putting people in awkward positions, and I don't. Want, I don't want that to happen to you. I don't. Sure, Ben. Why don't you tell the viewers what kind of beer you'll be drinking? Uh, I've gone with a Sapporo beer for this uh, for this project. Is that one of those giant cans? No, it's just a. It's they're just regular size, twelve hmm. ounces. Yeah. Um, a nice, light, crushable beer. A, a, a certified porch beer. How about yourself? I did not have enough of a single beer to do this, so I'm actually doing different beers. <laughs> uh, the beer I will be starting with is the Freem Mexican-style lager, which is uh, my new favorite porch beer. Ben, I'm wow. looking forward to sharing a couple of these with you uh, when you come up here. We, we might be permanently off beer after this, though. Yeah. This is a 500 mil bottle, which makes the math not exactly square up with my backup beer, which is a Pacifico in the standard uh, 12 ounce format that that college kids have come to know and love uh, (laughs) for for decades over. So I'll be starting with three frames and then I'll be backing it up with however many Pacificos it takes to do the uh, how many shots. Uh, this is 60 shots. So it's 60 shots. And seven the, and a half standard beers. But because I'm right. using non-standard beers, it, the, the math on my end is going to be a little different. Yeah. What is that about? What is it, about 10 shots in a, in 500 milliliters? Is that roughly uh, the conversion? Let's see. I, I think a I'm shot actually, is 44 or 45 milliliters. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I. Oh, no, no. It should surprise no one that I've got a bunch of shot glasses lined up, but I also have a bunch of small uh, four tablespoon, like quarter cup measuring cups. (laughs) So I'm going to have, like, what I want to do is not be pouring and measuring while I'm talking or listening. Like, I want to have these ready so that I can do good pod with you. That's that's my strategy. That's smart and more prep than I have put into this because I'm actually going to start filling shot glasses right now while we're doing the Marin. I think that's smart. Yeah, that's good. That's good thinking. I have a uh, cooler full of uh, beers and ice too. Is that, is that how you're doing it? Yeah. I have an insulated Trader Joe's shopping bag full of beers and ice. So I don't have a shot glass in my house. What? The two things I had that were close enough where there was a like a glass that I got prom- as a promotion when I bought a bottle of Averna Amaro, but it's like a big old tall glass. And so, and it's, I don't know, I just didn't want to, it seemed like a, a real hassle to use that. And then I had this other thing that I think is a little glass cup that's meant for- I've already spilled. God damn it. <laughs> a little glass cup that's meant for a votive candle to be in, <laughs> I believe. And uh, so I, I uh, you're gonna be pounding I, some vanilla beers? Is that what I you're saying? I will be, I will be eyeballing this. No, I don't get, I don't get scented candles. No scented candles allowed through the front door of this house. God, do you know what I should be doing? Is is taking my keyboard away from this scene? I don't need a keyboard for this. No, that's a terrible idea. 
Yeah, you want to... Okay, keyboard is well away now. You want to do some risk mitigation. Um, I'm beginning to wonder how big a mistake it was for me not to bring a towel in here for this. I think you should get a towel, TBH. I think that's okay. just good housekeeping. Good well, podcast so my, housekeeping. My, my, my worst fear is starting now. I'm gonna go, you're going to have to vamp while I run and get a towel. I can do that. <laughs> I think maybe one of the funniest things I could do is not do this contest with Ben and just be shooting water. I have to admit to you, dear viewer, that the thought did cross my mind. Uh, but I will have you know, I have visual evidence that I will be participating fully in this stupid, stupid game. Okay, I'm back. Hey, uh, I'm going to Jackie and Lori you my... Uh, my setup here, <laughs> my works, if you will. You know what I don't want to accidentally send that picture to is my wife at work, which <laughs> almost happened. There you go. That would, that would be bad. There are my samples. Wow, that is a that is a very pale lager you're you're dealing with. It there. really is. It's a uh, it's very tasty. I love it. But yeah, you're right. In a in a way that many Mexican lagers are not. This is a uh, this is super pale. Yeah. I like that you keep pictures of your uh, of your wife on your desk. That's really sweet. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean I I'm I need to remember why I'm doing this stupid shit. <laughs> to support our family, Ben. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm going to go with the opposite strategy just to just to AB it. I'm going to just be pouring pouring and knocking these back as we go. And I have to kind of eyeball what an ounce and a half is because this is not a regulation shot glass by any means. I'm, I am still shocked that you are, for being such a cocktailer, uh, a person who does not have a shot glass. I don't really drink shots, you know, especially at home. Like I might, I might do a shot if like somebody comes over with a tray of them and I'm out with some friends or whatever, but. I'm not like making a shot for myself. Well, uh, today we'll be, we will be making 60 shots for ourselves as we embark on uh, the very first, the first of hopefully no more <laughs> mourn hammered episodes of The Greatest Generation. Let's talk about Deep Space Nine, season three, episode three, Equilibrium. Ben, cheers to you. Cheers, buddy. Do you think that it's condescending for Cisco to explain liquid dynamics to Odo? Because in this cooking scene, he's like he's super jazzed up about cooking his Zatarans for for everyone, and he's <laughs> yeah, like, the Get- "Cisco's are cooking up a storm." It's all in the wrist. <laughs> yeah, and it's a fun scene. Like like food scenes, I think, are what TNG did to. Uh, to demonstrate this growing friendship among the crew. And we're, we got our very first cooking scene here. It's nice. What are we having? It smells delicious. It's very fun. I mean, some of the inaccuracies of it kind of stuck in my craw, like the fact that they call that bowl of guacamole a souffle, 
and the fact that he says that they're sautéing beets when they are clearly braising those beets. <laughs> Is that a uh, Jackie Lopez alt situation in progress here that you're you're criticizing? Are you are you combining? Oh, doing a shot. Are you combining Jackie Cation and J. Kenji Lopez alt? I sure am. <laughs> One of the funniest texts you've ever sent me was that uh, when you got home from our most, most recent tour leg, your wife had bought a J. Kenji Lopez alt book. <laughs> <laughs> you felt very betrayed by that. Yeah. I mean, the last thing you want to do is come home from a trip and there's another man in your house. Yeah. And there he is, like threatening to flip over my wife over and over and over again, like like his recipe for steaks, right? Isn't that his deal? It just deal? drives me nuts that they would be braising these beets <laughs> and nobody on the set knows enough about cooking to say that's a braise not a saute this is a group of people that eats for years at crafty like they don't know anything about cooking right i guess not the writers don't know director doesn't know where did you learn all this i mean i love the scene i think the cutest part is clearly odo stirring with his hands the bowl instead of the whisk. He's doing that thing that, like, when you hand your mom the Nintendo controller, like, she, she like, moves her whole body when she's trying to move the character on the screen. Yeah. He's, his head is moving, <laughs> the the bowl is moving, he's holding the whisk wrong, you know, it's 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 all new to him. Aren't there, in a like, really fun way. industrial mixers that also move the bowl along with the whisk? feel like maybe maybe he's just smart like that maybe he wants to be an industrial mixer and not just a person mixer (laughs) just shift shape dude be the industrial mixer you want to see in the world hey i got a question for you ben have you been keeping track of the number of shots we've taken because that's not something i'm doing i guess Uh, i I think i'm on I, i think i'm about to hit four right now i guess you count the minutes and and the yeah. minutes are the shots that makes sense that was a dumb question yeah what a stupid show is already question. dumb <laughs> uh, it feels like a lot already I will, I will tell you that like the person at every party who is the most unwelcome like and by that I'm talking about the person who brings a guitar to uh, <laughs> to a cookout like uh, Dax finds Jake's Casio keyboard and is like oh, oh I didn't even know uh, I didn't even know you were you were a player and Jake's mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm not at all I just fuck a lot. And so Dax That's what he down. says, right? I'm not a player, I just fuck a lot? No, yeah, I get I get your big pun reference. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're known for both terrible puns and terrible references to big pun. That's yeah. what you do on this show. Yeah, I'm in the pocket of big pun. <laughs> <laughs> if ever you hear me go away, it's just because I'm taking a shot. Same. Um, yeah, so Dax uh, does not turn on the demo on this keyboard. Instead, she starts kind of tinkling away at it, and uh, she's kind of she's kind of talking about how no Dax has ever been good at music. You would think one of us would have been born without a tin ear. While providing evidence to the contrary. Sounds like one of you had some talent after all. Which is that she kind of knows what key to hit after the key she just hit. Which, if she weren't a symbiont, would be, like, really obnoxious, right? If someone at your party just demonstrated a skill like this and was like, oh, I thought I sucked, but look at me, I'm great. Yeah, I have a friend like that where you just put a an instrument in his hand and he can never have played it before and he'll find something interesting and sort of compelling to do with it. No one likes God, that person. God damn it. 
it sort of plays us into theme song, which yeah. is a very strange way to go, I think. Yeah, they don't peg the needle with this is spooky and weird. They just uh, they just let it, let the camera linger on Jadzia's face as she contemplates how weird that was. Yeah. And uh, I liked it. After the open, we uh, we find Dax and Cisco playing a game of regular, basic, two-dimensional chess. Ben, why would you ever play 2D chess in a world with 3D chess? Maybe they're like chess hipsters. <laughs> All right, I, 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 lo- I love the old-style chess. It's so, it's, it's so classic. <laughs> I really love how the pieces feel in my hands. <laughs> Handcrafted aspect. I'm actually going to do a Kickstarter to start a handcrafted chessboard company. (laughs) Yeah, it's really gross. It's a gross depiction of chess hipsterism. Yeah. Also, just uh, like, I don't trust anybody who plays chess with their boss at work. I thought the same thing. You could be friends with your your boss, but like in his office at work? Aren't they supposed to be doing something here? (laughs) Did you ever have, uh, when you worked a square job, did you ever, like, have lunch with your boss or, like, do things like that? Or were you purely a, like, separation of, of work and state type person? No, I, I, I would say that I was, uh, I was definitely pals with my boss the time I had a job. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, uh, I can say with 100% certainty that I am friends with my boss. Hey, Ben, do you think I'm your boss now? I think we're kind of each other's partners yeah i think that's but but sometimes we have to be boss to each other i don't know it's a role we uh we both sometimes play i think that's good i think that makes for healthy pod you know what doesn't make for healthy pod ben everything Uh, we're doing this episode yeah i have uh just just for your reference since you're working with the metric system i have finished one entire can of beer already uh, I have finished my first bottle, but they are in, separated into six remaining shot glasses. So you haven't really finished it, is what you're saying? No, I mean, but that gives us the measurement. Uh, so, like, a a 500 mil is six shots of beer more than a 12-ounce <laughs> beer. You really want to do this? Here, now, okay, okay, let's do it! Jadzia is also just in a real foul mood during this chess game. I mean, she's uh, she's distracted. She's uh, she's humming to herself, which is not you know if you're spending time with somebody and they're this aloof and preoccupied with whatever they're preoccupied with, not a fun hang. Is it weird that no one is on their best behavior around Cisco at any given time? <laughs> like one of the ways that Picard commanded respect is that like. What was sad about the character of Picard is that, like, I think he, I already just missed a shot. Fuck. Is is that he was never invited to play such games, and his distance was what sort of was he not invited or did he maintain the distance? Because like in that last episode, he yeah. says I should have done this a long time ago. But like we would have felt really different about that if when he lost a hand of poker, he just swept all the chips off the table the way Jadzia does here. The relationship pendulum is really swung in the other direction because like Cisco is depicted as boss and friend to so many. Right. And an old friend of Jadzia's specifically. So Jadzia's next stop is a grumpy hang at the replimat where uh, Kira comes in and is like, hey, what the hell is going on with you? And, uh, and it is 
real confrontational. Like, she is, she is in a bad way. Really not herself. I got a question for you. Is it about that maybe a Jem Hadar that was sitting in the background? Do you think Kira could kick Dax's ass if it really came down to it? Like, I'm, Hell yeah. I'm sizing up Kira's, like, fight history, and we know that, like, Dax likes to wrestle for fun and sport. Yeah. But, and like... Dax is pretty rangy, but I think... Yeah, I think Dax has the reach, certainly, but I think I, Kira's I, a fucking brawler, and if she gets you on scrappy. the ground, you yeah. are fucked. Yeah. I think what I'm trying to say is I'm betting on Kira in that fight. Yeah, Kira's like a like a feral dog. She's, she'll, she'll kick the shit out of anybody. It's part of what I find to be so attractive about her. <laughs> you imagine her beating the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's my thing. Maybe my thing isn't uh, Bajoran. It's just women who could hurt me. <laughs> That's why you like that Klingon lady in the last episode so much. That's why I like my wife. Yeah. So Dex kind of shoves Kira out of the way and goes on a on a terrifying walk down the promenade where everybody is replaced with some uh, community theater actors doing a Greek chorus type thing. What is the deal with Star Trek's preoccupation with the Jabberwockies? <laughs> they, they had a lot of mesh left over from that TNG episode, so... Ben, I'm going to disappoint you with uh, with some knowledge here, uh, knowledge that I found through research. Oh, this no. is actually how this episode started. Uh, <laughs> Michael Pillar, like when Michael Pillar watched a magic show, oh. uh, a magic show that was done by the actor who plays Joran Bilar, which we'll introduce later as a as a main figure in the show, and was like. How do we make an episode about this magic show? And the magic show was all about this magician removing masks that reveal another mask beneath. <laughs> That's how it started. That's how inspiration happens, Ben. There are some cool moments with that, like where he like starts peeling a mask and then a second mask half is underneath it or whatever. Get the fuck out of my house. But I don't know if it's used well, you know? Star Trek does a bad job with dreams and hallucinations because I think science fiction is so fantastic that, like, right. how do you beat science fiction with a dream? It always right. seems a little bit disappointing because science fiction is so amazing, you know? Yeah, the needle's already pegged for fantastic imagery, so, like, the sleight of hand aspects of this are a nice idea, but I don't know that they work necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, this scene is obviously terrifying to Dax, who is, uh, like, her hallucination is broken by Quark running into her. Quark is in this episode. Quark was in... Armin Shimmerman was in makeup for six hours. He's in this episode <laughs> for ten seconds. That's not good value. One only hopes that they shot this scene on a different on a day where they were shooting different Quark shit with him for a different episode. God, I really hope so. I, I don't really know how that works, but, uh, boy... <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien's not in this episode either. Do you like is it how does it work? Like do you even go to work if you're not in the show or are you there just hanging out on set? Maybe uh maybe when you're not in the episode you're like uh taking affiliates on a tour of the set or something like that. You're working in Star Trek Las Vegas like back when they had <laughs> that whole setup. Yeah. 
Was that Carla uh, Meany who just made my cocktail? <laughs> hey, man, work is work. Adam, I'm starting to feel like these shots are relentless. Like, no, I, 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 I feel like I've just finished one and the next one is like already 20 seconds overdue i i feel the same way i'm i feel like i'm drinking as fast as i can right now and that's that's a bad sign it's really relentless dax goes to six bay which i guess is the only place you can go when you're having hallucinations i mean uh it's either that or the chill out tent right Gotta tell you, a lot of long, lingering pans over uh, over Jadzia Dax's body while she's laying down in this episode. Yeah, there's a real pervy camera direction in this episode. Yep. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? It's very the male gaze as camera direction. I don't and like that. Why are either. they doing that to her? It's like a very interesting episode about a very interesting character on paper but it it feels so like lascivious the way they shot it yeah uh it pays her very little respect you know like i think that as a performance what terry farrell is doing in this episode is really tremendous and the camera like does not care about it like she's she's so vulnerable when when she wakes up on that slab and bashir and cisco are like you know she's she's she realizes that she's been a monster to them and she's scared and she's dealing with a lot and the camera is like oh look at look at that nice flat tum ben the camera is not woke and i don't like that at all about this episode wake that camera up Shit. i mean in much <laughs> in the same way as like uh, a buddy forgives another buddy for getting a little out of control the night before. Cisco's like, it's all right, Dax. It's cool. Like, I understand you're going through a thing. It's forgiven and forgotten. I, I, I understand you're a mask drunk. <laughs> you do not want to be, you don't want to be a couple kinds of drunk. You don't want to be uh, a hostile drunk, like an no. aggressive drunk. You don't want to be a mask drunk, certainly. Certainly not. You want to be a, a bubbly, lovey drunk, like your pals Benjamin R. Harrison and Adam Pranica. Oh, I thought I was a mean drunk, Adam. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know one thing I've noticed about our Facebook group is that a lot of people are using R as a middle name there. I think that's in <laughs> tribute to you. I know you're not on Facebook anymore, but I've is noticed that, this. That must have happened since I departed Facebook. Is that what they're doing, like, to salute your departure? Are they trying to bring me back? <laughs> that's not how they bring you back. <laughs> like clapping for Tinkerbell <laughs> Clapping for Tinkerbell The Benjamin R. Harrison social media story Yeah That's uh, not far off uh, So so yeah this is, uh, this is treated as a Legitimate medical emergency And they're worried that the, the Symbiont in, in Jadzia is potentially at risk like the there's some like you know neurotransmitter chemical or something that is you know the her levels are not good her humors are out of balance <laughs> so uh so it's time for a uh, a defiant road trip and we head to the trill homeworld which is also what bun b's fourth album is called <laughs> 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 that was fucking great. 
I love like why haven't we seen the Trill Homeworld before? I know, it's so weird. I want to believe it's a world inside another world, right? <laughs> like like we see exteriors of it, but I was expecting a little bit more. Yeah. That's fun. There's an Ian M. Banks novel that's uh, set on a, a shell world mm-hmm. where there's like several concentric planets. Oh. So there's like the outside part and then like each, and, and then there's like layers at regular intervals. So, uh, and like one of the layers is like a medieval type of environment. So there's like princes and knights and <laughs> er, like bows and arrows and stuff. And they have no idea that they're like living in this sci-fi reality. I just want to say for the record, at uh, at my nineteenth shot, I am I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it hard. Oh, I'm I have I've been feeling it, dude. I this wanna, day is ruined. I want to talk about this before we get too drunk, but they're at this point in the episode, like they're in orbit of Trill, and Cisco and Bashir like take a moment on the bridge and they talk about how strongly they feel about Dax. Yeah, and. I hate this shit because Dax is a character that is rarely given an episode of her own, is rarely given anything besides like peripheral backstory dialogue to do up until now. Like the show has not cared about her as much as Cisco and Bashir are saying they do as a way to like gin up the stakes of this thing. And and, like, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you think of a Dax-centric episode that wasn't the one where her trill gets stolen? I can't. I, I think can't either. There are very, very, very few, and it's and it's a real shame. It's it's a little bit of Star Trek returning to its roots of putting the female characters in a terracotta pot. You know, this is the forty ninth episode of Deep Space Nine, and I think that's I think she's a main character. What is she like? Fourth billing on the show? Yeah. It's pretty fucked. The tone deafness of this character is in danger, and the only way we know how to express that is by having two of her male cast members talk about it for a second. Yeah. Really sucks. Dax is feeling reluctant to be back at the Trill homeworld because the Institute, like, here's another thing that I wish that they interrogated a little bit more was like, how similarly, (laughs) 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 how alike uh, Dax must feel about going back to the Trill homeworld as Odo must feel whenever he has an interaction with one of his, like, goo scientists. Like, Dax's major issue with going back home is, like, what she was subject to on this planet. Like, they were spraying perfume in her eyes. They were giving all of this this testing ahead of of them sticking the ankylosaur (laughs) into her. Like, she's afraid of doctors because of this. She's... (laughs) You're saying she's like a like a cosmetic test bunny? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. And I understand it. I wonder like I went to a an extremely challenging uh grade school and middle school. I went to the same school for 9 years until I went to high school. And it was 
super like challenging on an academic basis, but I also there was also like an administrator at the school that hated my guts. Like he hated my rotten guts. Is it because you beat life... him at tennis? <laughs> he made my life really miserable. And oh, fuck like, that to... guy. I I like like I and and it's something I've been like digging up in therapy recently. Is like how much like a lot of my like present day dysfunction can be traced to stuff that I was subjected to in school. And yet, like, I love that school. And I've always thought if I ever, like, made money, I would, like, donate money to that school, you know? like oh. and, 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 like, like I have such Stockholm syndrome around it almost. And uh, Obviously. And, I mean, I had, I had fa- fabulous teachers there, but, um, but I also a couple of pretty – oh, man. I, I, that rant cost me two shots, so now I have to do two <laughs> shots. Vamp for a second. There's a nice scene between Dax and Bashir where Dax can't sleep and Bashir believes that it's because Dax wants to fuck him, but then it <laughs> quickly pivots into Dax actually saying, no, I don't want to fuck you. Uh, I'm actually having a hard time sleeping and here's why. And it's a nice moment between Bashir and, and her because Bashir is like, look, here's the reason I became a doctor. I was originally afraid of doctors too. I hated the shots. I hated the fingers. I hated the cold stethoscope. I used to think that if I didn't behave, they'd make sure I got sick. But listen, I'm a good doctor, and here's the reason why, and you can take whatever bunk you want if you if you want to take it. And He's also just a really good friend to her in this moment. Because, yeah. I mean, his romantic interest in her is is stated and obvious, but uh, it's it's not an issue that he, he presses when... It's clear that that's not the kind of comfort she's there looking for. And uh, I think that's like maybe one of the best moments in the episode is that like all of all of that stuff gets dropped the second it's clear that that's unwelcome in this moment. I have a crucial question about this scene, Ben. Mm -hmm. When TNG stopped being in production, did they get rid of all the sparkly blankets because why don't they have blankets on on uh, on the Defiant? And furthermore, is Whoa. there a kind of invisible technology that warms you like a blanket would on that ship, at which which relieves you of the need for that blanket? I'll tell you one thing, Ben. No matter how hot, I like to have a little sheet on top of me. I don't know why. I need a sheet. Yeah, I would. I, I would not be able to sleep on the Defiant. I wonder, can you go to the Defiant Replicator and say, one sheet, please? What's up with Bashir being a great host and friend to Dax, but not offering her a blanket? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I I got to retract the uh, complimentary things I said about Bashir in that that scene. He didn't go far enough. People are always falling asleep on... TV and in movies, and then somebody comes over and pulls the sheet up on them. Yeah, that's uh, that is not me. <laughs> like, you're never gonna catch me asleep without a sheet on me. Yeah, you and me both. I think that's been the greatest adjustment to coming home from tour is like having total sheet control when I'm sleeping alone. Yeah, compared to some sheet competition, that's what's well, happening. I came home from tour to an empty house because my. Uh, my wife is on a little trip 
with uh, some of her friends gone for about a week. So I've had like three consecutive weeks of total bed autonomy. What? Yeah. Hey, how many how many days have you been home alone then? Like since I've been, coming. I've, I've been home alone since we got back from the tour, like almost a week now. I made my family disappear. Wow. How many times have you jacked it? <laughs> like like in the like in the living area. <laughs> like like the public space. The space where your mailman could see. The space where my mailman can see is uh, is sacrosanct. <laughs> and I I would not do it in there. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to see that flag up. And by sacrosanct, I mean there's a couple of windows in our <laughs> place that don't have blinds on them because I haven't gotten around to putting them up. And there's a, you know, 0.01% chance that my neighbor would be in the back, you know, in the back passageway there. Yeah. Damn. I don't I don't want to give anybody an eye full of that. <laughs> also, Adam, my parents listen to this show. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I it wouldn't surprise me at all to know that your mom like gave you a trifold pamphlet on like proper <laughs> masturbation techniques. Your mom is super cool. Uh, I will say that she I, wants I you touching that have, junk. I think I think my parents have seen us live on stage three times now, maybe four. <laughs> is I that like, is that why I feel like our relationship is getting worse? I feel like seventy five times now. And the in the uh, in the line of people coming up to say hi to us after live shows, somebody's been like, "Hey, I sat next to your parents during a show last year. They're super cool." <laughs> My mom saw us do a live show. Uh, that was sufficient. That was once. That was one parent and once. <laughs> <laughs> one parent only. Yeah. Ben, back on the uh, on the surface of planet Ankylosaur. <laughs> we get like one of the one of the low key most condescending things that anyone does to anyone else, which is like the uh, the performative pronunciation of a thing. Ben, this is something yeah. you do to me all the time. When uh, when Doctor Raynal pronounces Dax's name as Jadzia, Jadzia. Oh, that's so irritating. She also says Bashir when she's talking about the doctor. He must be Doctor Bashir. I love that choice. Like I feel like. As, it makes us not like her right away, right? Right, but like as an actor to make that choice, like yeah. this character is this. It's the right choice. It's the right choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's so low-key irritating. This is Lisa Baines as yeah. uh, Dr. Renhall. She's doing a great <laughs> job with this. She's Here's what she gets to do in this role. She gets to put emphases on interesting syllables. It's assess the window. Not asses the window. <laughs> and she gets to leave the room going through the door. She leaves the room going through the door like three times this episode. Did you notice that? Yeah, there's just a set that she comes and visits them in and then leaves. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, they hold the shot for her to leave. It's a very, like, student script. Like, you know, like, film school student script yeah. idea where, like, oh, we'll do this a bunch of times. And it doesn't have a meaning, but we're going to do it, and <laughs> maybe it will develop one. Right. Like, you want someone to come up to you after the film and go, I got it. I got what you were trying to do. Adam, I just want to check in here. <laughs> we just we just crossed the 30-minute mark on the Power Hour. How are you feeling? I'm into uh, the third 
Pafreem. I'm uh, I'm feeling strong. Like the energy is up, which is good. Like I I I don't want to feel like I'm fading, and I'm not. Uh-huh. And I think that's I think that's what eleven o'clock in the morning does for you. I think I think if we were to do this episode at like eight at night, I think that would be a worse episode. I think we'd be we'd be pretty punch drunk at that point. But yeah, day drunk. I think makes for a better pod. I got up this morning and had a hangover. Oh. I examined what led to that hangover, <laughs> and I realized that it was just a series of poor personal decisions. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm home alone. I, like, all I did last night was, like, make myself dinner and watch a movie, but I drank enough that apparently I, I got to hangover level. I think... Maybe this part should be cut into the beginning of the episode, but we don't condone binge drinking here. No. If anything, we're, what we're condoning is safe, responsible drinking in the privacy of your own home where you can't hurt anyone and you're not in control of a vehicle. So We're doing uh, this under the supervision of professionals. <laughs> right. And my professional uh, that's supervising me is Ben, and <laughs> I am also in turn supervising him. Yeah. It's reciprocal supervision. We are each other's boss. Ben, Dr. Raynal is, like, for all of her performative emphases, she's really <laughs> nice. She's like, yeah. she's like, I know you're nervous to be here, Dax, but check it out. Let's go have lunch tomorrow, like like two old friends. What do you think lunch is like on, pr- on Planet Trill? I'm going to have the chocolate banana if you got it. Does the ankylosaur come out and, like, get a little plate of lettuce? To, to chow down on? I feel like all of the lunch items are things inside of other things, like pig in a blanket, egg yeah. in a basket, turducken. Clam, clam chowder in a loaf of sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken um, cordon bleu. <laughs> the prognosis here is that, like, you're going to be good. Like, we, you know, we can administer some pretty pretty like reasonable treatment and you're going to be fine. And, uh, and so they all like head back to the defiant and Bashir is like, Hey, like, uh, go back to your quarters and take it easy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> head, head, head back to those quarters. Take it easy. And Dax is once again, subjected to a hallway nightmare. Who are you? It's beautiful. Isn't it? This has got to be so scary. Like, I feel like Star Trek doesn't know how to have a nightmare that's not in a hallway. Yeah. It, it was on the promenade before, and now it's in the hallway on the Defiant. When it's Data, it's in the hallway all the time. You, you know, know the best nightmare that Star Trek ever did was the whole like eyes in the dark nightmare where the entire crew was going crazy, and, yeah. uh, and Dr. Beverly was in the morgue and all of the bodies sat up. That's the best nightmare. Definitely some valences to that episode here. Yeah, but, I mean, it's scary without ever being scared. It's scary adjacent. It's, uh, like it's the way, the way a, a realtor terror. would sell it to you as being scary. <laughs> Great terror appeal. <laughs> we get the introduction of, like, some some nice trill backstory which is like on the trill homeworld they have milky pools full of ankylosaurs 
Yeah. And they like knew that Star Trek caves could have so many milky pools in them. Like a like a koi pond. (laughs) They keep the they keep these ankylosaurs in there, and they like swim around and zap each other. And there's like a pool boy there, Uh, and and the pool boys are known as guardians. Right, and they're kind of like um, they're kind of like socially different. In the way you know, that they, a pool boy probably is, right? R- right. They're super fuckable and aloof. And uh, Ben, does your do your parents in law have a pool boy, or do they clean their own pool? Um, I think they probably have like a service that comes around. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, has my father in law bent my ear at length about the pool filter that he had uh, brought in to replace their previous pool filter? <laughs> And the regulations changed, and so now they have to have this kind, but pre- previously they had a different kind. Yes. <laughs> Do I know what the <laughs> pool maintenance regime looks like? No. <laughs> we are rapidly coming to the cl- close of the second third of the power hour. 36 shots the in. The second trimester, if, if you will. If you're drinking along with us at 36 shots, I feel pretty hammered at this point. And what's yeah. weird is, like, I haven't had that much beer. It's got to be the pace of beer, right? That's the well, thing? I'm into I'm into can five, so, yeah, it's the pace. It's yeah, pace. Three bottles are done. Like, yeah. Um, the ankylosaurs uh, communicate with each other using wharf lightning, uh-huh. which I like to see. It was nice to see that. And this attendant guy is, is very, like, tuned in to... It, the the symbiont like he he sees Dax in Jedzia before she's even talked to him. You're Dax. He's that weird guy with a coworker who's pregnant that just like reaches out and touches the belly. Something's wrong. Another real creepy move that this episode does without like being aware of how creepy it is. Like a uh, may I would be nice, Timor. Give me yeah. a fucking break. That is not good. But he seems to believe that the problem that Jadzia is facing is not the simple medical fix that everybody else is riding for. And that knowledge changes the, the way they are interacting with this problem in a big way. It's weird how there's like real medical science above ground happening. And I don't know whether this is intentional or not. But like you've got the scientists in the lab coats upstairs and then you've got like the homeopathics in the caves <laughs> hanging out in the Star Trek cave. Yeah. <laughs> they like they don't diametrically oppose these two things, but I couldn't help but but not see that. Like like there's the there's a sort of spiritualist version that that Timor rides for and then there's the version above ground. Yeah. Where uh, Dr. Raynal lives. Because Timor is like, what's the sunshine like? I haven't been up there in, in forever. Like, he actually makes the case that, like, he lives in the caves. So they figure out, like, they're able to ascertain who the composer is of this music that's stuck in Dax's head. Yeah, they like, this episode is another Star Trek, like, presaging a technology, right? They They're trying to shazam the song that she's been playing right and they come up with a name they come up with a composer and it's joran Bellar. he's one of the greats right love that guy's stuff their early work was a little too 
new wave for my taste. On the Defiant, Dax and Bashir and Cisco are like looking at at file photos, and as soon as Joran Bilar's picture pops up, Dax has a little bit of a seizure, and the seizure brings on a hallucination. And in this hallucination, she sees a, a dude getting an ice pick to the dome. That's not good. Pretty graphic scene. And, like, this is the, the pivot in the episode that raises the stakes. Like, there's now a deadline here. In 48 hours, if they can't get Dax's labs down to acceptable levels, she dead. And they're going to have to take the ankylosaur out of her and stick it into someone else. I feel like the medical profession gets away with something that... Oh, I had a foam over. Oh, no. I'm so glad <laughs> I have this towel. <laughs> I feel like the medical profession gets away with something that no other professions enjoy, which is that like when you when you get something wrong, it's not like let's get it right and we are not going to pay you anymore until you do. Like if if you or I finished a video for a client and turned it in and they were like this is not what we asked for. <laughs> you know. That's why it's so crucial to like step by step that shit. Like, you want to make your expectations super clear on both sides. Right. That's why, like, contracting is is the most important part of the process in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, But, like, like what this lady has been writing for, the... The lady who leaves the room? With the uh, Leah Brahms haircut. Yeah. Raynal. Yeah. She's been saying, like, oh, yeah, we'll just give you some pills and, uh, you know, we'll get lunch tomorrow and uh, call me in the morning. Cisco and Bashir aren't necessarily believing in her form of medicine, so they go down and visit Timor, down by the pool. And, like, they do the same thing that they do earlier in the episode, which is, like, Cisco and Bashir... When when Cisco and Bashir talked about how much they love Dax and, like, how crucial she is to things, even though she's not... She's barely been in any episodes. There's a moment here where they're like, wow, Timor's acting pretty weird. Timor's always acted weird. Like, yeah. there's not enough range in Timor's performance to have demonstrated this. So instead, after Timor leaves the scene, Bashir and Sisko are like, wow, uh, he's really freaked out about being asked questions about Dax. Like, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a cover-up in progress. They jump to the this-is-a-cover-up situation pretty quickly. And, and it, like... The idea that a scandal is a brewing happens at like the 30 minute mark in yeah. this 45 minute episode. Yeah. The scale of this scandal is fucking huge. Yeah. You know, like it is Russia tipped the scales on an election level huge. And it kind of blindsides you as a viewer. The math of this thing is that. Joran Bilar died on the same day as Tarias Dax, which was the Dax that came before Curzon Dax. And so this is the thing that has everyone's antenna erect. This is too much to be a coincidence. They start doing searches, and they find this guy, Yolid Bilar, who, you know, same last name as Joran, and also graduated from a music school. But like and also find... ready to take a FaceTime, like whenever. <laughs> yeah. A classic old. <laughs> that thing of our parents' generation of if the phone is ringing, it uh, must be picked up, like no matter what. I'm struggling, dude. This is uh, 
<laughs> this is getting exceedingly difficult. Yeah. I've, I'm, Are you I'm ready to be po- hung over tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Put, I'm ready to be a- hung over at three in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a bad day. God. Going to be a bad show. Going to be a bad day. But yeah, your boy Yolid Bilar, um, <laughs> he tells he tells us he tells him a bit of a story on this FaceTime call, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, my brother was the murdery type, <laughs> but uh, he was in the initiate program. He was trying to be, he was trying to be joined, and I even I even talked to him on the phone one time, and he said he was joined, but uh, you know, <laughs> can't believe everything you hear on the phone. Anyways, I'm Yolid Bilar." <laughs> Yolibular out. <laughs> this is the classic brother that's not too close to another brother, giving a little bit of information but not too much. He's very useful in this episode. He's the exposition brother that we <laughs> all really need. My name is Yolid Exposition. I'm here to continue your investigation. <laughs> so there's a scandal here, right? Like, And yeah. what is scandalous is that... The ankylosaur went from Tobias to Joran to Curzon. And the commission altered the records. They covered it up. There's an eighth host. Yeah, and there's and like something in Dax, like there's there's hormones there that cov- that have been covering up this phantom host. Maybe it's my hormones. That makes sense. And what's happening inside her mind is like those those things are are wearing off. They're like suppressed memories that are starting to like seep into yeah. her reality. Right. Every time she's been in a hallway and it's gone badly, it's been because of that. And like the scandal is not just that there was a clerical error and the Dax got put in the wrong belly. <laughs> it's that like almost anybody, like like half of everybody on planet Trill could could have a an ankylosaur. Ankylosaur? Ankylosaur. This I don't a, even remember which it is. This God is a it. fucking scandal because, like, it turns out that ankylosaurs are a commodity. We are commodities brokers, William. And they have been suppressing the number of people that can have them inside them. And yeah, if, if it, there's those milky pools that are just rotten with ankylosaurs, just give them out, right? Sounds to me like you guys are a couple of bookies. Like, you can't have a society where people are fishing at those milky pools. You can't have it. Does everybody want one? Or do just some people want one? I think that's that's the weird, unspoken part of this episode. It's like, so Cisco threatens Dr. Raynal with going public with the news if she dies, like using, like, Dax's life as as a bargaining chip. Because the doctor has no, like, Dr. Raynal has known the entire time what the real problem is, which is that these suppressed memories, like, the memories were suppressed and the records were were purged. And the fact that the memories are, are, are seeping out means that the Jadzia host is going to die and they're going to replace Jadzia, you know, put Dax into somebody else. She is she is working really hard to maintain the secret that Dax was in a loser for a little while and it and it worked. <laughs> this is this is classic telling instead of showing though because Raynal predicts a future where uh the devaluation of the ankylosaurs 
<laughs> makes it so that like there's a black market and it's gross and like uh like half the planet can have them if they want them and it totally upends the whole society but the thing is in Star Trek we're never made to believe that this is so great to have one outside of a very small sample size it seems weird to like like it's very hard for me to imagine really wanting something that like kind of erases my identity right like give me a little more of that backstory like why is this so great i don't know but i want to know you know right i wish they had like dug into that just a little bit more for those of you keeping track at home, we are now into the final 10 minutes of this nightmarish experiment. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Oh, my God. I think I think we have to keep drinking through the end of this. <laughs> we have to drink to the end of the episode, don't we? Shit, dog. That's just what I'm saying. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. A fucking pair. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert. Tell Dr. Torvin to prepare the new host for surgery. Jadzia is on the slab. We'll begin transferring the symbiont in 15 minutes. Tell Dr. Torvin to get a cup of Raptagino. He won't be needed. Cisco is saying to the doctor lady, the choice is yours. You can save Jadzia's life, or I can release the information about what happened to the Dax symbiont. And she is surprisingly senior enough to be able to make that choice. Ugh. <laughs> I'm dying here. (laughs) This is not good. I'm close to death. This is not good for anyone. If you're still sticking around, I want to... This is our final... (laughs) This is our final captain's log. This feels like an Admiral Hanson-type plan here that we've done. Fight does not go well, Enterprise. We're attempting to withdraw and regroup. What fools we were to make the board game with this as the 100th square... What hubris we had to think that we wouldn't arrive here someday. This was our Wolf 359, Ben. We are the burning shells of starships floating in space right now. Ben, when you introduced the idea of a milky pool of ankylosaurs, you must eventually pay that off with a main cast character dunking herself in said pool. Yeah, you wanna you wanna put that cat that character in a shift and have her descend into that pool. You wanna have her purify herself in the waters of Lake Ankylosaur, <laughs> and so she does, where she gets yeah. zapped by the other ankylosaurs in those pools in the water. Yeah, it's not even wharf lightning anymore, man. It's fucking Jedzia lightning. And another hallucination happens. It's Joran. It's Joran in the pool, too, and it's going to be okay. Let's hug it out, Joran. Let's get wet. Let's do it. (laughs) This is one of those scenes, like, as a professional video man, whenever you have talent get wet, it is a big fucking deal to dry them again. So, like, I'm trying to imagine, like, how many takes they had here. Yeah, my uh, I have a dear friend who is in the costuming union in New York, and she uh, she and I watched what's that uh, Jeremy Renner movie where he's a bomb technician? 
Yeah, the one where he's diffusing bombs. Yeah. The bomb diffuser. Yeah, that's what it's called. I should be professionally titling movies. The diffuser. The, the Hurt Locker. There's a scene I have a very where... specific set of skills. Skills that make me a nightmare for bombs that you make. <laughs> I'm the diffuser. There's a, there's a scene in that movie where he's got like a bunch of blood on his very complicated uniform and he gets in the shower in his clothing and washes the blood off. And uh, she was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, nightmare level costuming challenge. Because he probably needs seven of that. Yeah. You know? Just to be safe for, like, how many takes they might want to do. Because it's like, the you know, the emotional climax of the movie and also, like from a costume standpoint like the most complicated thing because like you have to get the the goo like infused into the fabric in the same way seven times right adam we we only have four shots left and i'm i feel like i might die dude jadzia dax is gonna be okay because she had the hallucination she had a wharf lightning shot at her belly and she's back on the station there's a little bit of a time jump here a little epilogue where uh, where Cisco comes to check in on her, and she's like, "What's wrong with you? The doctor just checked on me too." I think she deserves some time off after this. Yeah. She seems reluctant to take that time. She tells Cisco that I'll be at work in the morning, and then she steps up to her uh, her Casio keyboard <laughs> in an attempt, I think, to power grab some inner light vibes, and I yeah. don't like it. You think that it's a, a cynical inner light ploy on the on the part of the writers? I don't think that's good at all. Maybe she's just playing the demo this time. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? I medium liked it. I think that Terry Farrell really does a lot in this episode, and I wish the camera had cared. You know, like I wish it. I wish they had made the episode about her that she deserves because yeah. she's such a she's so talented she can access like there's scenes in this where she she changes like the the flush of her face in a second because yeah. she is accessing a deep emotion and yeah. putting it on display for us and that's like such a magic trick yeah and instead the camera is like panning across her boobs the entire time yeah yeah, I think I think and believe Terry Farrell is a great actor. And for an episode about Dax, it's really more of a medical procedural where it's about Bashir and Cisco like doing the detective work about her. Yeah. And that's that's too bad. Like I wish it was a real Dax episode, but it's not. It really feels like a a Troy episode where Marina Sirtis saw what Troy is going through and yeah. really rose to the challenge of displaying that. Yeah. And generally speaking, the episode is so preoccupied with what the male cast members think about it that it is like distracted from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of interesting kernels here, but it like they aren't fully realized. I mean, it, I think the best part of this episode is the whole, like, ankylosaur backstory. The pools and the and the swimmers and the koi and, like, all of that stuff is great. <laughs> we finally get to see that. But, yeah, I mean, I really 
dislike being told that Dax is important without being shown the way that she is. Yeah. And this was a missed opportunity in that way. Well, Adam, we are 30 seconds from our final shot here. Oh, my God. How do you, how, how do you feel about what we just did? I I feel like this was... I, I hope this is confirmed later, though I shouldn't ever read the reviews of this episode. Like, I feel like this <laughs> turned out better than I thought it would be. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that it was a daylight show instead of something we tried to do late at night, like something we were ashamed of, which we sure do. Bottoms up, dude. I am so full. I'm like the feeling is full more than drunk, but it's almost equal. It's a uh, it, yeah, full edges drunk out just barely. <laughs> do you need a break before we do P ones? I do not. Do you? No, I'm good. Let's let's go. Let's get through it. Let's I'm get gonna, into it. And I'm actually going to keep doing shots because I still have open beers here. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, fuck. Yeah, if you're going to be dumb, why don't you be all the way dumb? Like, oh, God. I, that, that Did almost... you hear how foamy that burp was? <laughs> I've been struggling this entire time. <laughs> ben, I reached for a keyboard that wasn't there. <laughs> because past Adam moved the keyboard responsibly. Past Adam is present Adam's only advocate at this point. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we've got a couple of priority one messages in the hopper today. The first is of a commercial nature. Goes like this. Classically awful is a podcast about Blake's seven. The sometimes amazing, sometimes a little bit embarrassing, 1970s British sci-fi television show. Largely inspired in its format by Greatest Gen, Classically Awful is run by two nerdy sisters who like to pepper their recaps with a sprinkling of obscure Australian cultural references and the occasional dick joke for (laughs) extra flavor. Come join in our fun. Go to classicallyawful.com. Or find us in iTunes and subscribe. These are uh, these are OG friends of DeSoto here. We got Megan and, and Imogen. Yeah, the friends of DeSoto-ness status cannot be overstated with Megan and Imogen. And the idea that they are are casting Pod together is pretty rad. Uh, I love I love the idea that dick jokes. Uh, provide flavor to their episodes, and uh, <laughs> and, I, I, and I love the idea of uh, letting a nice Australian cultural reference go right over my head. <laughs> I uh, I personally am not familiar with this show, but while I am familiar with their hosts, and I would encourage anyone to to listen to to this show. What I would encourage more than anything is for Megan and Imogen, much like our friend in Japan. To maybe uh, maybe scout out a place we could do a live Greatest Gen show. I've always wanted to go to Australia. Yeah. I would do a show there at a loss. Let's Fucking do a show a. there. Yeah. I am drunk enough to be convinced of this. I think we can agree that the best thing that has ever happened to us related to this show 
are the myriad friends of DeSoto that we've made. We've we've Seriously. got we've got so many friends now, and it's a great feeling. I never had any friends before. The second best thing is the idea of going out on tour and seeing different parts of the country and meeting so many of them in person. That's great. That's that's what I love. Yeah. The third best thing could <laughs> potentially be foreign travel. Going yeah. to Europe, going to Japan, going to Australia. I think that is the next level for Greatest Gen. We need the London, Tokyo, Melbourne Greatest Gen tour to, to happen. I'm so ready to do that. What I would love to do is make that its own leg of the tour. Like yeah, the, the, the suicide. The jet lag suicide leg. God. <laughs> yeah, the, the we don't care about ourselves at all tour. That sounds great. I want to do that. I want to do that so bad. I want to see Would those do. places. Yeah. Fucking A. Ben, our second priority one message <laughs> is from Admiral Cook, a.k.a. Amy Breek. It is for hailing all captains in rocking fleet jail pipes and crew. The message goes like this. You're the funniest and friendliest bunch of hooligans in the galaxy. With rampant scarf expenditure, we've romped around the galaxy, built a flared starbase, and learned about each other's home countries. Sorry for always being on the night shift, because I'm in the upside down. Oh, and hey, Captain to the X-Bridge, your fleet is fine, I guess. Wow, that's another uh, Southern Hemisphere friend of DeSoto it sounds like yeah it sounds that way I don't know if we can I, it might be a New Zealand so I and, and I know that New Zealand and Australia folks really resent being confused with each other yeah I would never do that I, would, I wouldn't I would want to speculate but uh, boy what are we doing not going to Australia is basically the question I want to ask god I want to go there so bad is there an Australia podcast festival I'm There's googling it right now <laughs> You know, our friends Josh and Chuck from the Stuff You Should Know podcast were invited to our Atlanta show, which is where they live, and yeah. uh, they were like, yeah, we'd love to come, and then they were like, hey, actually, we can't come because we're too busy going to Australia to do live shows of our own, and uh, that just made me intensely jealous, you that know, sounds more than great. anything else. Yeah, it's not for lack of interest. We just need to be invited. We're like a bunch of Drax on this show. Yeah. Invite us to your thing. Yeah. Let the right one in. <laughs> and by right one, I mean the wrong podcast. <laughs> I, what else do we do on this show? I don't even remember well, what if, we do at this point. Well, if you would like to invite us to read a message of either commercial or personal nature, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And for the low, low rate of $100 or the uh, slightly higher than lower rate of $200, you can have that message read on this awesome show with tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. <laughs> so many people listen to this show, Ben. This is an embarrassment, what, we, what we've done here. Yeah. I feel like we've showed our whole ass to everyone who listens I would anticipate a pretty big drop in listenership after this, and that makes me sad. Yeah, but 
go do that and uh, go support the show you love. We'll get into the next segment when I remember what it is. Support us in our dumbassery. Gotta get that, get that, go press that. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Gotta, gotta get that, get that, go press that. Get that, get that, go press that. Go press that.
Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Yeah. I think this Shimoda was easy to find. And <laughs> and it's Cisco. And here's why. Cisco threatens to upend the entire Trill culture to save yeah. Dax's life. Like all of it. He is to willing to save Jadzia's life. Dax is fine. Yeah, to save Jadzia's life. Like he's willing to ruin an entire world for this. And I wonder like It's a it's a real Kirk level move, right? Like it feels like, like fuck like, your culture basically. It feels like the prime directive have has never been discussed on DS9 up until now. And this might be a good moment for Bashir to be like like I know we all love Jadzia Dax, but <laughs> like I just I just need to say yeah. That uh, there's sort of a lot at stake here. So I thought that was great. Like Cisco's willingness to destroy a world for one person. Yeah. That's a, that's a chaos agency move right there. So, But the Trill homeworld is part of the Federation, right? Like Which makes it not subject to the Prime Directive. Yeah, I totally understand that. But or like, isn't it? I, fe- I feel like once you're in the Federation, like yeah. that should make you more subject <laughs> to it like like once you join does that mean that 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 the rules don't apply i don't think so it's a pretty know, dirty man. pool cisco what about you ben who's your drunk shimoda my drunk shimoda is the great odo Mr. <laughs> just i i loved i loved the choices that uh rna aubergenois made in the uh <laughs> In the performance of Odo's one scene in this episode, we is... cannot trust him <laughs> without baked goods. <laughs> he cannot make viennoiserie the way we like them. He does not know how to make a laminated pastry. <laughs> he does not even know how to whip. <laughs> Odo being used as data, as right fish out of water, as guy who is learning all this for the first time, yeah, is so fun, and I think he's underused in that regard. He's and a virgin at everything. I loved how loving the portrayal of that was. I loved how Kira thought it was so cute. I loved how. Everybody was, like, down to just let him whisk wrong, you know? I, I, it's a, I treasure that moment. Yeah, that's a good moment. <laughs> yeah, that's a good moment, dude. <laughs> I, just, I just had a little bit of a blurf there. Ben, we're at square 100 of the game. Does the game continue? Uh, what do we have coming up on the next episode, and how are we going to watch it? Like, I think we're starting at one, right? Yeah. Here's 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 what I will say. By the time this episode comes out, we may have changed a couple of the Quark's bars to other things, just so that we're not killing ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and no one wants too much of this, obviously. No. Neither do we. No. We've learned a valuable lesson today. The next episode is season three, episode five, Second Skin. Kira is surprised when she sees records indicating that she was incarcerated at Elmspur, a Cardassian prison 10 years ago. 
Oh, I'm I'm ready for another Kira episode. By the way, feels like it's yeah. been a while. Do you want to hear how uh, Amazon describes this episode? Yes. Kira is kidnapped by the Cardassians, who try to convince her that she is really one of their people. Oh, that's not going to go well. <laughs> God damn, those couldn't be more dissimilar as descriptions. I am relieved that we can do regular pod next time. I am relieved that we didn't schedule two records today. This is a nightmare. Because what I want to do right now is first go pee and second fuck around on PlayStation for the rest of the day. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Hey, Adam, here's something that we should talk about. There is a game on PlayStation where you can pretend to be in the bridge crew of a Starfleet ship. I'm familiar. And furthermore, there is a modification for this game or some kind of downloadable content that lets you be in the bridge crew of the D, the Enterprise D, the Entrepreneur. You can be in the tip of the D? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. We got to do something with this, man. Yeah, I agree. We should. We can't just not. We can't. We can't just not virtual reality into the bridge of the D. We can't have a D and not play with it. Yeah. Like, what does that look like, though? Is the I think, question. I think it looks like us playing with our Ds together. Yeah. We got to touch the tips. <laughs> we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. Ben, we have so many people to thank for putting up with our bullshit. We've got uh, we've got the myriad friends of DeSoto out there who have come to our live shows. They're and on islands us. all over the world. Yeah, the, they're they're on Great Britain. They're on the many islands of Japan. They're on the continent-sized island of Australia. Every time I think who the hell would want to see us in person, I am greeted by an explosive audience of friends of DeSoto. It feels so great. When they come to our live shows, yeah. uh, more live shows ahead at uh, at so greatestgencon.com. Come and come and see us. A lot of shows are selling out. Most shows yeah. are selling out. Ben, if you're on the island of Canada, there's basically a handful of, of tickets left for the three Canada shows we're doing this year. Yeah, uh, we got Toronto and Edmonton still on sale. Vancouver's already sold out. But I am uh, I'm really excited for that whole leg of the tour. Yeah, yeah, we love touring in Canada. We love we love their food and drink and fried chicken. Come and see us. Yeah, it won't be weird. I promise. Got to thank Adam Ragusia for making the music that is based on the music of Dark Materia. Uh, he also makes all of our interstitial music. All of our live touring show music is made by Adam Ragusia as well. Yeah, we're working on a big, cool project with the Goose, and I'm really excited for when we get to announce it. But He came to he... our Atlanta show. I met him for the first time in person. Yeah. That was I great. I met him for the first time in person when he stayed at my house one time. <laughs> great decision by you. Yeah, good you, guy. You're very permissive about who stays at your house. Yeah. So keep that in mind when you're greeting Ben after the show. Yeah, yeah. I can talk my wife into almost anything. (laughs) 
you have a lifestyle that includes uh, people staying at your home. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, support for the show comes from uh, MaximumFun.org slash donate. Uh, they keep us thick with Mexican lagers and uh, also with the ability to go out on tour and keep us sustained the entire year through. I think it's no it's no secret that Ben and I have pivoted out of professional video work and into non-professional podcast hosting. Yeah, and, and by... Uh, by MaximumFun.org slash donate, we mean you. Like, if you're listening to this and you've gotten to this part of this podcast episode, if you can countenance what has happened here today, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and uh, kick in, you know, five bucks a month. So with that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode. Great and sober, by the way. Episode of <laughs> Star Trek Deep Space Nine and another episode of The Greatest Generation. Where we, I would imagine, we uh, we hypothesize how we escape from a prison situation. Do a do a shot with me while we hit step. Okay, I'm gonna. I have, I have like eighty percent of a can of beer here. I'm gonna chug it while we hit stop. Okay. Oh, all right. Let's do it. All right. Oh, I oh ac- fuck! I spilled on myself. <laughs> I actually want to throw up after this. I feel like that would save my day if I did. It might be the right choice at this point. I don't know. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.